God, we thank you for that mercy that you've given to each and every one of us, God. If we just accept who you are and what you've done for us, God, that we can bathe in that mercy. God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. It's the most prominent request that we read in the Gospels, the most prominent request that is made of Jesus. Kyrie eleison. Translated, that is Greek, translated, Lord have mercy. We've been studying the Gospel of Luke, and we'll get to Luke chapter 17, where we see some folks calling out, Lord have mercy on them. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, it is the most prevalent theme throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew records it in Matthew 9, verse 27, Matthew 15, verse 22, Matthew 17, verse 15, Matthew 20, verses 30 through 31. Mark records it in Mark chapter 10, verse 47 through 48. Luke has it in Luke chapter 16, verse 24, 17, verse 13, 18, verse 13, and then also 18, 38 through 39. Again, the most prominent request made of Jesus in the gospel, in the gospels. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. And we understand why, because it is maybe the most prominent request that we have made in our lives. Lord, have mercy on us. Maybe it's been in a time of despair, and we've said, Lord, just have mercy on me. Maybe it's been in a time of sickness, and we've said, Lord, have mercy. A time of struggle, Lord, have mercy. A time that we've been disappointed over a situation in life, and we just all we know to do is cry out, Lord, have mercy. I want to read a portion of an article by David Mathis. He writes about the mercy of God, and he says, The mercy of God is one of the most precious realities in the world. It's one of the most revealing themes in all the Bible and one of the most tragically misunderstood truths about God. If you want to know who God really is, listen, if you want to know who God really is, if you want to, I love this visual, if you want to peek into his heart, it is not in the display of his just wrath. It is not in the display of his cosmic power to which you should look. Mathis says, it's rather that rather we should set our eye on his mercy without minimizing the fullness of his might and take in the life-changing panorama of God's mercy. Today, I hope that we will be able to do just that, that we peek into the heart of God and we see his mercy as illustrated, as seen through his son, Jesus Christ. So, We've been studying Luke, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 is where we're going to pick up this morning. And so we read this, on the way to Jerusalem, we stop right there. This is a familiar phrase that we have seen throughout the gospel of Luke that began in Luke 9, Luke 10, somewhere around there where Jesus turns his face toward Jerusalem. And we have talked about that several times that Jesus knows where he is going he knows that the ultimate, uh, ultimately he will die on the cross for our sins. And so as Luke has done so many times, he reminds us that Jesus was going willingly to die for our sins. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, we don't know what village, it doesn't matter. It was a village, not a distinct village, but as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. 
I'm going to pause right here and remind us of some things that we've already understood, some background that we've already studied uh, as we saw Jesus encounter a leper in Luke chapter 5, if you were with us many months back. In Jesus' day, within the Jewish culture, within the Jewish society, there were laws that regarded, they came from, they were Levitical laws. They came from the Old Testament. There were laws that were, that were regarding those who had this horrible disease of leprosy. Now, leprosy, because we don't really encounter it now, and there's still leprosy around the world, it is not, it's almost eradicated, but it's certainly not. There are many who still have it. But I'm afraid that sometimes that as we read about Luke chapter 5, the man who had leprosy, or eventually we're going to see 10 who have leprosy in this, that we think leprosy is just kind of a, a form of psoriasis. Many of us have psoriasis. It, it attacks our hands, our elbows, maybe our knees. It can attack any part of your body. Leprosy and psoriasis are totally different. They're both skin diseases, but the magnitude of leprosy is different from psoriasis. It is a painful disorder. It is a painful disease that people go through that even will affect the organs. And in Jesus' day, according to Levitical law, they had to, if you had leprosy, you had to stay away from everybody. We've talked about this before. Part of the pain, not only was it physical, but it was also emotional and mental because you could no longer live with those that you loved. You could no longer be a part of everyday normal life. You could no longer go into the city. You could no longer go into the synagogue and worship. You had to stay out in a leper colony. And the only folks around you were those people who were in misery with you who had the same uh, disease that you had. And if you approach someone, you would have to stand a certain distance from them. You could not get close to anyone. You would stand a certain distance from them. Your head would be uncovered so that everybody could see the sores that you had. And you would have to call out while your mouth was covered with a cloth. You would have to call out with, with your voice, unclean, unclean. This is who Jesus is encountering on his way to Jerusalem. And they lifted up their voice in verse 13. They lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They said, they didn't say uh, quite carry a lason, that most prominent, but a form of it. They say, Yeshua, a lason. Jesus, have mercy on us. Not Christ, not Kyrie uh, eleison, but Yeshua, have mercy on us, Lord. This morning, what I want us to see, most of the time, this is going to be a familiar passage to maybe every single person in here. And most of the time when we study this passage, we get so caught up, as we should, it is very important uh, on, on being thankful. And we're going to end with that. But I think as we unpack this, if we take our time to unpack this, there's so many more lessons that the Holy Spirit desires to teach us through this account in Jesus' life. And the first thing that we really need to camp out on for a little while and understand is the, the mercy of Jesus. The mercy that God gives us through his son Jesus. They call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. What is he going to do? In Luke chapter 5, we saw his mercy. Ultimately, he healed them. But I remember as we studied that passage together that I said that we also see Jesus' mercy that before he healed them, he touched them. He touched that man in Luke chapter 5. The first time that he had been touched by someone without leprosy and however long he had had the disease. And in reaching out to touch this man in Luke 5, Jesus shows mercy. But we also see Jesus' mercy here in Luke 17 verse 14. And it's in just the first. We might just skip over it and, and think that it's not important. But it is. Uh, I've been, uh, Micah has, 
has for the last year and a half or so been leading some small groups or, or showing students how to lead small groups and doing Bible study using a method called COMA, C-O-M-A, it's an acronym, Context, Observation, Meaning, Application. And for each one, there's just a series of questions that the students are to ask as they read a passage. They ask questions, questions of context, questions of observations. One of the questions in the observation says, are there any surprises in the verses? Is there, is there any surprises in the, in the passage? Well, there's a surprise in verse 14 that, that I see that I think we need to understand. Because verse 14 says, when he saw them, when Jesus saw them. Why is that a surprise? Because these were the outcasts. These were the ones that they may come close to the road where someone were traveling, but the same way we do when we encounter the outcast, Jesus just did not ignore them, but he paused, he stopped, and he looked their way. He saw them. Let me try to help us understand um, that just a little bit. I hope I can help us understand that just a little bit. I can't remember if it was on prime time or 2020, some years back. But they did a, an expose. They did a, they did a whole show on, on homeless people, which are outcasts in our society. And they would interview the homeless, uh, find out why they were homeless, and then they would just talk to the homeless about what it's like to be homeless. And do you know what they said the worst part of being homeless was? Without fail, they said the worst part of being homeless is that you're just ignored by all of society. And we're, we do that, folks. We, we may not want to admit it because in church on Sundays, we're good Christian people. But I will admit it. I do the same. We can go to Birmingham and we can be getting off the interstate. And at that, uh, at that stop sign or that light at the end of the off-ramp, there's someone standing there with a sign that says, We'll work for food. Uh, will you please help me out? I'm hungry. Uh, disabled vet. Whatever it might say. Many of us just turn and look the other way. We ignore that that person is standing there, right? Because we don't want to deal with them. Or maybe we're leaving a restaurant and we've just had a nice meal and there's someone on the side of the road, there's someone on the sidewalk who is sitting there and you know they're homeless by the way they look and you just turn to whoever you're with and you start a conversation with them so that you don't have to pay attention. You want to ignore them. Well, that's the way they would do the leprosy in Jesus' day. And so it's surprising that Jesus, as he sees them, as he hears their cry, Yeshua, Eleison, Lord have mercy, uh, Jesus have mercy, that Jesus doesn't do what everyone else does and pass by, but he stops and he looks their way. Jesus is doing something different from everything else that they had encountered. He saw them. The mercy of Jesus. He would stop and see them in their pain, see them in their situation. But he didn't stop there. He gave them some instruction. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. He saw them, and then he give, gave them some instruction. Now, here was the instruction. Go and show yourself to the priest. Again, this may be a, a recap for some of you, but for those who are not. So here was the order in the Jewish life. Here was the order. If you had this horrible disease of leprosy, and you were healed miraculously, somehow you were healed, Here's what you would do as a Jew. You had been an outcast. You had been, uh, you'd been sent out to this, um, this leper colony. You had not been a part of anything. When you were healed, you would go see the priest. The priest would first, according to Levitical law, would first offer up a sacrifice of two birds or two doves. 
And then a process of investigation would last for seven days, for one week. You see, the priests in Jesus' day, they were kind of the health inspectors of the day. They were the ones that could say, yes, you are healed, and now you can get back to normal life. They were the ones to give the approval that, okay, since your disease is gone, you can move home, you can come be a part of the synagogue again, you can go into the town square, you can be a part of all that. They were the health inspectors of the day. So partly that is what's going on there. But there's another side to this that I remember us talking about in Luke 5 with the leprosy. Remember, we learned many months back that the priest had decided that there were two types of miracles. Some miracles, they said, could be done by anyone who had the power of God. They were just kind of miracles in general. And they said, any, any man who truly has the power of God can do some of these, can do these miracles. But then they said there was a second category of miracles out there that only the Messiah could perform. That these were called messianic miracles. That these were signs that whoever does these miracles, this isn't just some guy who has the power of God. This is the Messiah. And do you know what the number one miracle was? Number one miracle was healing a leper. Because it had never been done before. It was healing a leper. And so in these ten going to the priest, not only were they fulfilling the law, but they were also going to be a testimony that Jesus was the Messiah. All because Jesus had mercy on these ten. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament, uh, New Testament, all throughout Scripture we see the importance. We see the example. We see the mercy of the Lord. Here we see the mercy of the Lord is found in Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see the mercy of the Lord. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? On top of the Ark of the Covenant was this, was this lid. On each end of the lid would have a cherubim on each. Do you know what that was called? It was called the mercy seat. And annually, as the priest would go in and, and um, make that sacrifice on behalf of the, the Jews, on behalf of the people of Israel, he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And it was through that that the Lord showed. We see mercy all the way through Scripture. But what I want us to understand from this passage here is that these ten lepers, they understood where mercy was found, and that was through Jesus. We don't know how. How did they know that Jesus would be the one, could be the one to offer them mercy? Maybe one of their family members had seen Jesus heal the other person with leprosy, and this is the first time Jesus had come their way. Maybe one of their friends had seen Jesus perform a miracle and had reported back, gone from a distance to the leper colony and said, hey, there's this guy named Jesus, and he's doing all these miracles. If he ever comes by here, you guys need to stop him because he can do something for you. He can, we don't know why. But for some reason, somehow they knew that mercy was found in Jesus, and so they called out, Lord, have mercy on us. I prayed this week because I know that there are some in here today that need to call out to the Lord for mercy. That because of a health situation, because of a marriage situation, because of a situation with children, maybe a job situation, whatever it may be, you're going through a struggle, you're going through a disappointment, you're going through a sickness, you have despair. I want to tell you today, here is the answer. Call out to God. Carry a lay son. Father, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on me today in what I'm going through. David sets a wonderful example for us in Scripture. 
So much of the Psalms is this man who has a, a heart after God's, who calls out, even in his sin and in his despair, calling out to the Lord. In Psalm 6, verses 1 and 2, David says this, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, neither chasten me in, in your hot displeasure, but have mercy upon me, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. In Psalm 51, verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your steadfast, according to your faithful love that we were just singing about. Congregation, I want to tell you today, in the despair that you're going through, whatever the situation, uh, again, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's something with children, job, divorce, whatever it is, would you call out, carry a laison today? Lord, have mercy today. And what we know from Scripture is as we call out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy, He hears our call, and He responds, and He stops, and He looks our way. He sees us, and then He speaks that mercy into our lives as we just call out, Lord, have mercy. We also see in this passage as we unpack it, we see the obedience of the lepers. So they call out, Yeshua, Eleison, Jesus, have mercy. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Here's the other surprise. Remember that, those coma questions, C-O-M-A, observation. Are there any surprises in the passage? Maybe this for me is the biggest surprise. It's a surprise that Jesus would stop and look. But here may be the biggest surprise. Because we read, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Am I the only one that that surprises? How, why is that a surprise? Because what we're told in Scripture, Jesus didn't go like he did in Luke chapter 5 and touch each one of them. And then all of a sudden they look down and look, my, my, my skin's clear. Look, I don't, have, I don't have the disease anymore. I'm not in pain anymore. Oh, I, I've, been, I've been cured. I've been healed. No. What Jesus says, now go show yourself to the priest. Here's the surprise. They just went and did it. They, they left where Jesus was. And they were following his words. They were following his command to go and show... There was obviously, obviously some faith there. That faith took action, took the uh, form of action, and they turned and they did what Jesus said. I think for many of us, if not for most of us, I admit I would do this I, the way I am. Uh, these, these 10 uh, lepers, uh, they practiced hearing is believing. What we tend to practice is seeing is believing, right? Lord, I know you're a merciful God, and I'll believe that when you show it to me. I know you want to, you want to offer mercy in this area because that's what the Bible talks about. That's what we read all throughout Scripture, that you're a merciful God. And as we peek into your heart today, we see your mercy. Lord, now show me your mercy so that I can respond in obedience. We practice in our lives that uh, seeing is believing. What the lepers teach us is hearing is believing. That when the Lord speaks it, we, we by faith, we obey what he has to say. Now, would these ten lepers have been cleansed? Had they hesitated? Had they paused and said, well, Lord, um, I still got sores. I can't go to the priest like this. He won't even see me as he sees me coming. He won't, he won't allow me to come near him. Lord, uh, 
you need to heal me first. Would they have been cleansed had they hesitated? I don't think so. We don't know. I don't think so. They obeyed. They obeyed because hearing Yeshua, hearing Christ say, go and show, they obeyed because they had faith that he would show mercy. What a lesson for us. What a lesson for us. Let me try to apply this, try, try to help us, because I want us to see how, how, how this um, hearing is believing as opposed to seeing is believing, how this looks, how this is fleshed out in our own lives. And so I'm going to give you an illustration. I'm going to give you an example. But I'll tell you up front, I hesitate to give specific examples when I preach because then a lot of times we say, okay, well, it's only in this area that that works. But it's all over. It's in area area of our life. So here's my example. I don't know how many times I have had conversations with husbands and wives. And the marriage is not doing well. And they say, MJ... Pastor MJ, I'm struggling. And I've prayed so much with tears in their eyes, husbands and tears in their eyes, wives. I've prayed so much for God's mercy in my marriage that God would heal my marriage. I've prayed so much. And I listen to what they're saying. I, I want to be compassionate to what they're saying. And, but at some point after I hear those words, I have prayed. I've prayed for my husband that he would. I've prayed for my wife that she would. I've prayed for God's mercy. I've called out, Lord, have mercy. At some point during that conversation, I question, okay? You've prayed for God's mercy. Wonderful. Now, let me ask you this. Husband, according to Ephesians chapter 5, God's word says that you are to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Husband, are you loving your wife the way Christ loves you? No, I'm not. I'm not. But here's why, Pastor. She's not. And they give me reasons why they struggle to love their wife the way Christ loved the church. And then I have to, I have to firmly say, you know what? That cry of mercy that you're asking for in your marriage is not going to happen because you're not obeying. You understand that? And, and if the wife comes to me, I've prayed, MJ, for mercy, for God's mercy on, on my marriage that he would heal us. Okay, wife, well, here's what the Bible says that you are to do. Are you doing it? Well, no, I will once he. I said, I'm sorry, God's not going to answer that cry for mercy because you're not obedient to what the Bible tells you to do as a wife. Say what you will about the lepers because nine of them didn't come back to give them thanks. But boy, they teach us a lesson that we need to apply. And that is obedience. That we don't live by believing is seeing. We live by hearing is believing. Believing is hearing. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when, when he saw, here, there's going to be another surprise here in a moment. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And what did he do? He praised God with a loud voice. 
Um, the Greek there, if you're interested, loud voice is megaphone. He praised God as if he had a megaphone praising him, praising God. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and he gave him thanks, giving him thanks. And here's the surprise. Now, this man was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a good Jew. I'll remind you, Jews hated Samaritans. They were half-breeds in their mind. They were half-breeds in their, in their beliefs. They were, they were worthless people. And we've seen that throughout Luke. Luke draws attention to that so many times where the Jews didn't believe, but the Samaritans did. And this man was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to this foreigner, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let me just say this. I don't know how your, your translation translates that last phrase. I read and study from the ESV. But I've, to, I've shared this with you several times. I don't think this is a good translation because what is actually said there, Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. Implying that the other nine may have received uh, healing from their disorder, from their disease. But it was only the one who had the faith that brought salvation. And so finally, we see the thanksgiving of the one. Not the thanksgiving of the ten, as we would think, but the thanksgiving of the one. And again, we can sit in here and we can say, how dare they? If that were me, I would be the one that goes back. We look with judgmental attitude and thoughts toward the nine. But reality is, so many times, we are much more like the nine than we are the one. The Lord shows us his mercy every single day. And we go days, weeks, without even saying, thank you, Lord, for the mercy. I don't know how you do, but when one of our family are traveling, we always pray, huddle up and pray together as a family, and we pray for God's mercy to be upon them while they travel. But being honest and transparent with you, there have been very few times that that mercy has been revealed and, and his mercy has been on them that when they come home, I say, okay, let's stop and give thanks to the Lord because he answered our cry for mercy. There was an article done in the New York Times last year, and they did a study, and it said on the, the average person says thank you only about once out of every 20 times. When someone gives them something, an object, a service, help, whenever they receive, we only say thank you, even to one another, about once out of every 20 times. Truth be told, we are a thankless people. You know, we want to memorize Scripture as we should. We want to memorize Scripture um, that promises that God will, that if we make our request to God, that he will answer our request. And so we memorize those passages. Oh, we want to claim those passages that, that uh, he'll, he'll meet our request. He'll answer our request. We want to memorize passages 
that surely God will supply all of our needs and freely give us all the things that we need. Shouldn't we also be memorizing passages that teach us and command us to give praise to the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord for all the good that he has done? Let me give you three practical ways for being thankful, for showing thankfulness to the Lord. Number one is what we have done in here today, but it, it's, I want you to know it's not contained to just corporate setting on Sunday mornings, but one of the ways we see in Scripture that we give thanks to the Lord is by singing praise to Him. Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Every believer should be singing praises to the Lord in thanksgiving. Even if you're like me and you don't have a, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. A second way we see in Scripture to give thanks to the Lord is by walking upright as a Christian. From Leviticus to 1 Peter, we see the command that as his children, we are to be holy because he is holy. When we, as his children, walk upright, when we walk in holiness, we're walking in thanksgiving because we understand, as we were singing in that song earlier, that it wasn't by our merit that we were saved, that we were forgiven. It's by grace through faith. It is God's mercy. And so in thankfulness, we walk an upright life. And then finally, what we see in Scripture, a way that we give God thanks for all that He's done, we give God thanks for His mercy, is we enthusiastically give financially to the kingdom. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Matthew chapter 21, verse, uh, verse 22. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. We thank God by giving generously and cheerfully. Can I tell you? And it, it's, the, it's the principle of Scripture. It's not me. Um, that if we are not giving generously to the kingdom and the kingdom work, then it shows that we truly aren't thankful. It shows a thankless heart for God and what he's done. And we can defend it all we want. But the Bible is clear. So, what is our big idea this morning? Our big idea comes from Psalm 100, verse 6. And I want you to read it with me. Praise you, the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. I'm going to ask you to stand. David's going to come, and we're going to end by thanking the Lord through praise of seeing the doxology. But I want to give you an invitation. Today, maybe you say, you know what, uh, Michael, MJ, I need to, I am struggling. I'm struggling with something in my life, and I recognize I've not called out. I've been trying to handle it on my own. I've not, I've not called out Kyrie Eleison. I've not called out Lord have mercy. And today you say, you know what, I, I, I want to do that, and I just want you to help me do that. I'm going to be at the cross. Micah's going to be at the cross. Tracy's going to be at the cross. 
And maybe you just want to have us pray that, cry, cry that, that prayer with you. Or maybe the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart today, you know what, you, you've been calling out to the Lord, have mercy, but mm, I admit I'm not walking in obedience. Or I've not been thankful. And I, I want to start living a thankful life. Or maybe, most importantly, that today you saw this wonderful testimony of baptism as Lindley, um, two weeks back, gave her life to the Lord, received Him as the Savior of life, and through that, the Holy Spirit just spoke to you and said, that needs to be you. You need to be doing that. You need to accept me. Would you meet us at the cross as we, after we sing? Would you meet us at the cross? Let's sing together.